Okay, folks, this week on the Rumble Pack podcast, we're going to be talking hand cannons, droid thingos, and pterodactyls in space. As Shut up, Luke. This is my damn episode, and I'm here to tell all these incredible people about an incredible series that you know nothing about. Mate, I love Android. Shut up! I speak of Metroid, the iconic space-trotting, alien-blasting 2D platformer that came to the original Nintendo in 1986 and has been a Nintendo mainstay ever since. Oh... Though there has been a 3D series called Metroid Prime, I want to school you exclusively on the original 2D series. Metroid and its remake, Metroid Zero Mission, Metroid 2 and its remake, Samus Returns, then Super Metroid, Metroid Fusion, and a tiny look at 2021's Metroid Dread. Righto. Jimbo, you better give this foolish music. Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. Righto, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Will trying to take over the whole podcast again. Uh, <laughs> I'm Luke, and I have to listen to him talk again about another Nintendo series that you're very excited about, Will. Welcome to the podcast. Well, I am very excited about it. I didn't realise you felt this way. And last time I did this was all the way back at episode 9, so 18, 19 episodes ago, yeah. uh, about Ocarina of Time. And you absolutely loved it. And since then... You went on and played Ocarina of Time, you're 100% of the game, and now you're halfway through the whole Zelda series. Yeah. I I also... Because um, that's believable. I, yeah. <laughs> I also feel like <laughs> that was only a month ago. Yeah, no, it was like six months ago. Yeah. Legit. <laughs> See, if you had have said that and it had been four weeks ago, everyone would have been like, wow, that's so cool. He's completed everything. Sad story is... However many weeks ago and I haven't touched anything since. You haven't done anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's so much time. You've hardly played Breath of the Wild that you borrowed from me three months ago. I know, but I'm- Putting I'm, that I'll, out there I'll, in the world, sorry. I'll get there. Sorry for all the Zelda lovers. I will get there. Zelda lovers. But anyway, so today we're here Should to be talk- your new gamer tag, Zelda lover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> shut up, Will. All right. I'm, I'm here to tolerate- I'm going to tolerate you a bit today, probably for- Five hours of nonsense. To, but I've got a lot of information to go through. <laughs> <laughs> but we're here today to talk about one of your recent uh, new loves in video games. Uh, uh, yeah. like, sort of like a recent love of a series, I suppose. And that would be the Metroid series. Yeah. 2D series. Yeah. And I'm a bit of a uh, rookie to the uh, Metroid series and I get confused between the couple of different sort of spin-off-y series going on. And mm. you're here to explain to me exactly what this core... 2D series is all about. Yeah. I mean, I feel like most people are pretty confused about what Metroid even is, mm. including me, about eight months ago. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but now uh, now I totally understand. Mm. And I always wanted to understand too. I always wanted to to play Metroid. I always thought about it. I always tried it and I just never I never gave it a real go. And then, um, yeah, E3 2021. So, this year they revealed Metroid Dread, which is Metroid 5 and... That trailer was just so cool and I saw all the community really get excited and so happy about it because it had been um, 19 years since the fourth Metroid game. That's how long people waited and it just inspired me and then I just started playing Metroid properly and now, now I basically played them all. And you love the new game. That's very evident oh, yeah. and we're not going to go into, you're not going to go into depth of it today, I believe, because I reckon you want to have a... No. standalone episode later on. Uh, I would like to do I that. that but I, I'm not going to go into into depth to it today. I'm going to talk about and 
reveal all of the story up until Dread. So anyone that's interested in playing Dread, this is going to be the whole rundown of what's happened before. Yeah, because we don't want to spoil. Well, I want everyone to. I want mm. not only do I want everyone to play Dread, I want everyone to buy Dread so it shows Nintendo that people want more of this because it took them 19 years to bloody make that one. So mm. hopefully this shows uh, that that's the case, and I'm pretty sure it's well and beyond now the highest selling Metroid game of all time. So, oh well, okay. Yeah. So and just to touch on quickly. Has Metroid Dread lived up to people's expectations? I know you didn't necessarily have too much of an expectation or only eight months worth. Yeah. Some people had 19 years. So, how did they take it? Yeah. I personally didn't have a huge expectation. I just had a good, a a pretty good feeling it was going to be great. And it's absolutely phenomenal. And no, most people love it. Like, it just recently got nominated for Game of the Year the other day. So, the reception's pretty good. I think it was mostly nines and tens out of tens um, around the board from reviewers. And no, people love it. It's a bloody. Epic game. Yeah. Hmm. Which is good. We've spoken a few times about some of our favorite 2D platforming games that maybe 10 years ago we would never have considered to be epic games. No. Because you don't look at them and think, oh, that's not a AAA title because it's only 2D. Yeah. And we've proven ourselves wrong uh, many times in the last two years, I think. Yeah. Honestly, I really hope it wins game of the year. There's some great games in there, including Ratchet, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, which is one of our favorites of the year. But I, I really hope Metroid wins just for the fact that it's a 2D action platformer and not a big budget 3D game. Like I, I want I want them to award that kind of game so it shows not only developers but fans that those kind of games are can be the best as well because there's a misconception there, I think. And speaking of game awards, we've got a bit of a treat coming up towards the end of the year, don't we? We do. The Rumble Pack Awards. The... The the Rumblies? <laughs> That's as as the Willy Lukies. I don't know. Hey, The Willy Lukies. Oh, of course. The Willy Lukies, yes. That's going to be a great great awards night where we're going to reveal not only our game of the year for 2021 together, but our personal game of the year each for any new game we've played from any year, which is mm. more so our biggest awards totally. of the night. Yeah, because I'm about five years behind the yeah. trend. And if, oh, you were at two, eight months ago, you were 19 years behind the trend of <laughs> yeah. Metroid. So yeah. <laughs> so everybody everybody stay tuned for news on when that's going to happen yep. because uh, we're starting to prepare right now. Yeah. Rum. We have rum. What do we got? We have Buckeye Fine Caribbean Classic Golden Rum. Yes. Uh, aged for two years in oak barrels in Caribbean islands. Inside the islands. <laughs> uh, this is 37% alcohol volume. Right. And it's 150 mil. Well, it's actually been aging even further because I bought this uh, probably three or four months, something like that ago now, at least three months ago for a previous episode, but we didn't end up having it until now. So, it's been aging for even longer. So, it should be fantastic. Yeah. In that in that it's dark- Aging hid- in this plasticky sort of bo- mini flask bottle. In that dark <laughs> hidden, bottle, uh, hidden uh, drawer where you hide all of your spirits so they don't get to- Make your house look sensational. <laughs> I don't want to say the wrong idea. People of my neighborhood think we're totally clean and responsible. Yeah. But in fact, we love rum, or at yeah. least I do. Yes, <laughs> exactly. All right. And so on the back of this, we have fine Caribbean rum. Buckeye Caribbean golden rum is aged in oak barrels, resulting in rich, exotic, and complex flavors of a banana and vanilla. Oh, nice. So if you had to store this for any longer, it would have turned into a banana. <laughs> uh, ideal mixer for cocktails or served over ice. That's um yeah, it's just it's amazing oh, how okay. aging maybe we should have had ice. Maybe we should have put it had it with ice. 
I didn't read that beforehand. Oh, we've got it just, straight here in the little glasses. But oh, maybe. Just, oh, it's just a watering down method. Yeah, yeah. But maybe that's that. what it needs. This might be too strong for us. We're neat boys. Yeah. <laughs> the, right neat, the neat boys. Yeah. Customary. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, oh. Much easier. Much easier. We, we must have sat really far away yeah. a few weeks ago. <laughs> Not the bad. Yeah. I was going to say it's very, uh, it tastes quite light. Mm. But then at the very end here, it's like really hit my nose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is quite light, actually. Yeah, not bad. But let's come back to Maybe with later. the ice, it Ooh. would have been perfect. Maybe. Mm. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's get into a little series I like to call Metroid. But first, Luke has a few questions and statements about Metroid he wants to go through because this is not something he's played before, doesn't know a lot about it. He's got a few opening statements. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Well, I just what I, call that. I just think that when we have the, these little one-way episodes where you're talking to me and, you know, for the Red Dead Redemption episode, I spoke to you mm-hmm. and then we're back to you, to me again. I just think something that was missing was the other person's Totally butchered understanding of the series, having <laughs> never played it. Yeah, and I thought I have so many uh, what, what are likely misconceptions of what this series is, mm-hmm. uh, misperceptions. And to be honest, uh, these are just uh, some of my uneducated thoughts on the Metroid series. Metroid is a Nintendo game that nobody has ever really cared about. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Borderline true. <laughs> that's just a perception. No, it's that's not even untrue. It's yeah. one of Nintendo's worst selling franchises, technically. Mm. Well, which I, I'll get into soon. Yeah. Well, I played first time I ever saw or heard of it uh, was Metroid Prime on the GameCube in Target. Yeah. Played it on Target and Target, which is kind of cool. Uh, oh, you've got the case right yeah, there. Yeah, I didn't get Metroid Prime out because not talking about that today. No, but I not. do own Metroid Prime. Yeah. Yeah. And. And uh, going on from that, you'd think Metroid Prime was the Prime version of the game. Not so, just Metroid. <laughs> I think Metroid Prime is the highest rated Metroid game really? of the series, but it's um, the beginning of the 3D Metroid saga, which is sort of related to the 2D saga, sort of not. I think the, the guy that created Metroid and has sort of directed lots of the games kind of writes off the Prime series as being something else and okay. it's really funny. So, that's why I'm only talking about the 2D series today. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, another understanding of mine mm-hmm. is that uh, Samus Aran, Aran, the character- Samus, sorry, yeah, whatever. Aran, Aran. the protagonist, Aran. has a hand cannon that's really epic. Uh, that is definitely true. Spit like Skeletor from He Man. Just the just the hands, just a cannon. Yeah, I used to run sure. around at home thinking of Skeletor because I had this. I never even saw He Man, but there was an ad to it on the intro to the the Ghostbusters cartoon video that my grandparents had. Okay. I used to whack a cup over my fist and make it like <laughs> run around pretending it was a cannon. Mate, Metroid would have been perfect for you when you were. I know <laughs> exactly. I never knew of it. She definitely has a hand cannon, but that is part of the whole power suit, which we'll talk about later as well. Yes, and mm. which brings me to another point. Sa- uh, Sa- uh, Metroid would surely be just a buff bloke, but turns out when I was like fifteen, it's a woman. As in Samus is a woman. Samus yeah. is a woman. Yeah, 
which is incredible. <laughs> and I was very, I was actually very pleased about that because I was like, yeah. because I was thinking that was like a plot twist for me. I don't even follow the series, had never played any of them, and I still was hit by a plot twist in the series. <laughs> yeah. Was this when was that revealed? By the way, are you going to go into that later? We don't have to touch on it now. Um, it's revealed in the early first game. It is the first game. I believe so. Oh, yeah. see, I thought I was up with that plot twist. When she, when Samus, uh, like when you die in the game, your power suit sort of comes apart and you can see her in the middle of the screen without the suit and she's a woman. But I, I don't, because I, I played the remake of the first game, not their NES version, but I think in the end of the game, if you get a good enough time, the, the final art screen is her without the suit on kind of thing like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. It wasn't actually a plot twist. Like I said, I just thought it. I thought it was some big unveiling. It, yeah, I think it's cool that she's a great. woman character as well. Yeah, mm. it's it's different from that era, especially. Mm. Uh, so there's some side scrolling, some first person in this series. You know, between the two parallel series that you've just spoken about. So I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, different when. series. The the core two D series is just side scrolling. Yep. Yeah. And uh, there's also an aerodactyl um, as an enemy. Yeah, the main enemy is an The main enemy is an aerodactyl, and um, and he was your name in the group chat for two years. Yeah, Ridley. He's not anymore, but he was my uh, Facebook Messenger group chat name was Ridley because I play Ridley on Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Okay. Um. Yeah, and I'm pretty dangerous as him. I like to think. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's a but Ridley's yeah, kind of like a aerodactyl sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Well, that's literally all I've ever thought or considered about Metroid. Well, so you've got to you by, better by bring golly, more than five there's points. a lot to learn today. <laughs> I hope I hope this really turns you around. Not that you're off Metroid, but I hope it um may, maybe gets you interested in trying it, or you know at least trying Dread. Oh yeah, seeing that you're going to uh, hear so, the whole story up to Dread. So yeah, yeah, you may as well. Well, that's all you got. That's all I got. Well, let's get into it, eh? I'll just um just just. You throw something at me when you want me to come in because <laughs> I might be asleep in the corner. Where's my prodding stick? Yeah. Uh, all right. So, Metroid was released on August 6th, 1986 uh, in Japan, but not till 1988 in Europe, Australia. Wow. Took a couple of years mm-hmm. uh, for the Nintendo Entertainment System by Nintendo R&D Development Team 1. One. One. The core, the number one team made all of the, all of the Metroid... 2D games up until f- Fusion, not Dread. Anyway, the series was created by Satoru Okada, who was the former general manager for the for research and engineering Nintendo. Uh, Yoshio Sakamoto was the character designer and director of the game, and Gunpei Tok- Toko uh, was the head of R&D1 at Nintendo and the producer of the game. So they came out with the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was designed with a few things in mind. To be firstly a shooting game, which in 1986 wasn't exactly that prominent other than probably like Space Invaders, Mm. Uh, to combine the platform jumping of Super Mario with the non-linear exploration of The Legend of Zelda, so sort of a pairing of the two, and to feature a dark aesthetic. They were the main reasons for creating Metroid. The name Metroid is a portmanteau of two words, Metro. Uh, as in like a transit system, rapid underground system, and Android, uh, a robot-like protagonist, mm-hmm. which creates Metroid. So, it's a brand new word that they made up. <laughs> yeah, right. That's no, a good word. I, I actually really rate the name. Which is apparently a portmanteau, which I'd never heard of until yesterday. 
Portmanteau. Yeah, that's like a, a a new word created based off two other words. Okay. Something like that. I even looked at the Google Translate for it so I could hear how to say it. I'm pretty sure I'm butchering it still. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you did the research. Yeah. Uh, the game was heavily inspired by the 1979 science fiction film Alien, leading to one of its main characters being named after the film's director, Ridley Scott, i.e. Ridley. Yeah. Which is fun. Well, he's the only other person I've heard is uh, Ridley. So, yeah. I just would never have assumed there was a connection there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, sh- I didn't write this down, but I'm pretty sure Samus, one of the reasons she became a girl character is because she's also partly inspired off the main character from Alien, who is a woman, but I forget her name. Ripley. Ripley, yeah. Yeah. So, a bit of the legacy of Metroid as a series. Uh, it's one of Nintendo's most successful franchises, but that isn't really saying all that much because it's never been a huge seller. Like, a lot of Metroid games have never sold over a million copies before. Um, it, it's probably more so that the amount of Metroid games that have released makes it one of their bigger series just based on that. Mm-hmm. But I th- uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure Metroid Dread sold has sold probably into the three or four million now at least um, since coming out because they marketed the absolute shit out of that game. Mm. Like clearly as a almost a last attempt, like this is your chance to save Metroid kind of thing. Like there was a new trial for that every week for like six months. It was nuts. Bit of a Duke Nukem forever situation. Yeah. But the opposite. Except it turned out great. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've not played Duke Nukem, but I know that's not great game. Yeah. Uh, Metroid is... It's part of defining its own subgenre of 2D platformers uh, alongside Castlevania, known today as a Metroidvania, uh, which Tom Happ, who was the developer of Axiom Verge, which is a 2015 indie success, uh, defined Metroidvania games as side-scrolling adventures with continuous maps rather than discrete levels that require the player to collect items and backtrack. Mm -hmm. Notable Metroidvanias include Cave Story, uh, Hollow Knight, Ori and the Blind Forest and Will of the Wisps, Guacamelee, The Messenger and Yoku's Island Express, if you I could remember. Well, I always, I've always heard of Metroidvania mm. as a term and Castlevania being a game, but I never understood that a Metroidvania, you know, it was a Metroidvania. Yeah. I never understood what it meant. I just see it dropped in things and I go... Why is Metroidvania being mentioned here? Is that some sort of weird Metroid Castlevania um, like mashup game? I've sort never of, understood. Yeah. I've never understood the. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like Inspi- so inspired by, by the two. two. Yeah, yeah. But I always just presumed it was an actual series that that was that existed. Oh right, I never yeah. understood it. it was a was <laughs> well, a, a description of another game. Yeah, it's Metroidvania has never been like I don't even think today it's not a technical title for mm. a genre. It's just that you look at that kind of 2D game and you go, oh, that's like a Metrovania because of those elements it has in it. It's like a, f- a fan reference. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's not, you, you wouldn't look up, you, they wouldn't have a best Metrovania award at the game. No, Awards, no. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so the games came out, yeah, pretty far apart from each other, really. The five, these five games. So Metroid came out in 1986, Metroid 2 came out in 1991, Super Metroid came out in 1994. But then we jump a little bit to Metroid Fusion in 2002, so eight-year gap. Metroid actually completely skipped the Nintendo 64. Okay. The only the only things uh, Metroid related on the N64 is that Samus is in Super Smash Brothers. That's mm-hmm. that's it. Uh, and then from 2002 to 2021, we get Metroid Dread. So a whole 19 years off. Yeah. Wow. And they only made 
less than a handful of Metroid games or so, a handful or so in between then as well. Mm. And they were all 3D. In the Prime series. Yeah. So, there was three Prime games. Then there was Metroid Other M, this another 3D game. Then there was a couple of spin-offs on like the DS and one 3DS spin-off or something. They mm-hmm. were very basic. There was like a pinball Metroid or something. I, well, I'd say that's still a that's still a few games in the series, but they were mm. just sort of working out if this was the new angle of the series, I suppose. So it's mm. almost like a return to the original form, but technically the series did still go pretty well, like continued on pretty frequently. Yeah. It's funny, it's like with the Nintendo Switch, a lot of Nintendo's major franchises have used the Switch to really reinvent themselves, mm. like Zelda full-on reinventing itself with the open worlds. Uh, Mario Odyssey is a reinventing of that formula in, in a lot of ways. And then you get Metroid. It's almost it's the reverse. It's like we're going to do the absolute most like down-the-middle basic Metroid formula that we can to bring mm. it back. And I guess that's just exactly what it needed mm. at the time. Hey, it's it's widespread. All of these childhood series, you know, ninety series are coming back. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, it's great for kids, people of our age. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'd hate to be a young kid right now. Well, not hate, but uh, and play Metroid Dread as their first Metroid. <laughs> God, it would be so confusing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so much, so much backstory you need to know before this game. Yeah, Raul, I'm going to go through some of the recurring characters before we get into the games. I've uh, written a ton about them and I've got a bunch of pictures to show you just for reference. Obviously, okay. no one else is going to see it. But if you want to play along while you're listening, just look up each character on Google Images so you can see exactly what they look like. Not while you're driving, though, please. <laughs> Not while you're driving, no. <laughs> Although, thank you for listening to us in the car if you are. Uh, so, Samus Aran. I say Aran. It might be Iran. I have no idea. That's the. Well, you say castle, but you say Aran. Samus... I'm happy to say Iran. That's no, Iran. Samus yeah. Iran. And Castle. Castle. I say Castle. I know. Isn't that correct? No. What do you say? Castle. Okay. <laughs> Samus <laughs> Iran. Uh, she is the daughter of Rodney and Virginia Iran, who she lost at the age of three during a space pirate raid on her home planet K2L. How could a three-year-old lose her parents so young? Yeah. Uh, which is an important planet to the Galactic Federation that housed a colony of like humans from Earth. Um, she was taken in by a mysterious race of beings called Chozo and taken to the planet Zebus, where she was infused with their DNA to become a Chozo warrior. Mm. Don't worry, we're going to get into all those all those <laughs> names and stuff as okay. we go. <laughs> once joining, uh, once reaching adulthood, she joined the Federation Police, uh, which is a military organization created in. Response to space pirates, constant attacks on vessels, space vessels. Uh, they pay powerful hunters to assist them in tracking down dangerous pirates and other matters uh, as the largeness of space makes it mostly too hard for them to track. So they basically bring in warriors and bounty hunters and things to resolve conflicts around space. Uh, she served under the commanding officer Adam Malkovich for a time. We'll get into him. But ultimately decided to leave the Federation to become a bounty hunter herself to just work as a solo bounty hunter. Okay. Her identity has become pretty synonymous uh, because of her power suit, as you spoke before about the arm cannon, uh, which is her most notable piece of equipment. She uses the arm cannon, which is modded to shoot a power beam and missiles, sometimes even homing rockets. She can alternatively transform into a morph ball, which allows her to... 
uh, allows her to roll through small cracks and drop bombs. I'm sure you've seen the morph ball before. Yes. She's basically just trans... Like, I don't know how to even explain it. She just... Her power literally rolls her up into a tiny ball and she just rolls along the ground. Mm. Yes. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, she is a superior athlete by design of her human slash Chozo DNA. Uh, her years training under the Chozo influence... Uh, made her capable of running and jumping at heights far past the average human ever could. And she can also survive extremely large falls unlike a normal human. Uh, Her DNA also helps her adapt in many alien environments and planets. This is why she can breathe on different planets and different temperatures or whatever. Fun fact, she is one of the original members of the Super Smash Brothers roster dubbed the perfect attendance crew. (laughs) Uh, a term used for the 12 fighters present in every Smash game to date. She also features as a separate fighter called Zero Suit Samus, which makes much quicker and more melee, uh, uses a much quicker style with more melee uh, Mm. and does not feature the power suit. And that's the Zero Suit form. That's pretty cool. That's the power suit. Bang. Okay. Showing Luke picture. Everyone look that up. Samus Aran, Zero Suit and power suit. Why do they have to, now that she's out of the suit, why do they have to make her all knock-kneed and, uh, and pigeon-toed like it's making her cute suddenly? Uh, she's lost She lost all sense of, uh, you know, respect and sort of... To be fair, that might be a fan picture. I don't know. I mean, Probably I know is. that's official. That might be a fan picture. Looks a bit cutesy anime, which is annoying. It sort of takes away that sort of real power and yeah. everything she has I know in what you mean. suit. Mm. I know what you mean, for sure. That's Samus, but... Speaking of Samus's DNA, what about what are the Chozos? That's so, exactly what I was going to ask, Will. <laughs> the Chozos are an advanced, uh, ancient advanced species that inhabited many planets through the cosmos, including Zebus, Elysia, SR388, Talon 4, and ZDR, different planets. Uh, this mysterious race had a sage-like avian appearance, like birds. Uh, oh. In fact, the... In fact, the Japanese name for Chozo, which is Chojun Zoku, actually means bird man race. Right. Oh. Uh, and the English <laughs> name was shortened to become Chozo. <clears throat> yeah. That's cool. Uh, while the fate of the race is largely unknown, many ruins and technological wonders are littered throughout the galaxy in reference to their achievements. Uh, they are responsible for creating both the Metroids and Mother Brain which we'll get into, <laughs> which would eventually pose a great threat to galactic civilization, uh, though both were created for peaceful reasons. The mother brain just would have put, uh, enforced discipline across the whole universe, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah. Somebody, <laughs> somebody didn't put their washing out yeah. and the whole universe had to pay. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, they found Samus on K2L after the space, atari- space pirate attack on her colony. So they're basically like... Massive bird creatures. Um, that one, this bottom right one's from Dread. Okay. That bottom right picture. If you look up Ravenbeak from Metro Dread, anyone that's listening. Uh, but lots of uh, lots of Cho- ancient Chozo statues are littered throughout throughout the Metroid games. And in fact, a lot of her power-ups to her armor or, or different abilities she gets, she finds them in, a, in the hand of an ancient Chozo statue waiting for her. Pretty much. So there's like okay. lots of Chozo lore throughout the games, and she's kind of you kind of figure out her past as you go through visual imagery. It's they don't tell you; you, you kind of look for it yourself. It's cool. Okay, so 
If she's part, is she part Chozo, did you say? Well, she had the Chozo DNA injected into her when she was a baby. Oh, injected. So, she's a human by form. Yes, okay. But she has Chozo DNA when they brought her back to their home planet and they train her as a warrior with the extra strength and stuff. And does that have any sort of bird traits? Okay. No, it just gives her those super, some super strength abilities, those long jumping and different things like that. So, what's she like, I guess, as a character as a whole? Like, is she a good... Is she interesting? We're coming across these sort of shrines that have information about her. Is it really f- interesting to find out or is it just a bit of sort of filler that you is okay to know about? You go, oh, yeah, that, that's sort of cool to know about Samus, but who cares really? I is, think she, is she really the centerpiece of the series in as a- um, like, Yeah. Does she hold the mantle well? Yeah, I, th- I think so. She's not all- She's not like crazy interesting. She doesn't- She hardly speaks, like especially in the old games. The, the reason that there's- they're so good, especially Super Metroid, which we'll get to, is because they tell so much of their story through their, through the environments and the imagery. They don't tell you anything, mm-hmm. which like those old games were. So Samus doesn't exactly speak that much or show any, sorry, much emotion. But you can see, you can see like what you're doing, how it sort of takes the toll on her as you go, and then as she f- f- discovers her past and all this stuff. I think it's, I don't know, she's a cool character. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. The, I feel like all the characters in the Metroid series just all come together to make this really interesting uh, universe. I don't think Samus is so above the rest of the characters, but she's definitely the right one to be the protagonist. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and that's and that's sometimes all the character needs to be, literally mm. just the person we experience this new universe through, through the eyes of, really. Yeah. So she doesn't have to be super interesting or anything, but even just the fact that she's got Chozo DNA in her, and they're an avian race and things like that. Mm. That's interesting enough to yeah. be original and, uh, yeah, just to keep you mm-hmm. tied in trying to find these shrines and everything. Yeah. I mean, Samus never goes to any of these planets to find out about the Chozos. She's there on a bounty hunter job for different reasons. It's just that she happens to go to places that involve the Chozos and you find out about her as you go. Not that the Chozos don't play a role, but that's not why she's there. Mm-hmm. So that's something you learn as you go, but, yeah, you don't... You don't go to Zebus in Metroid 1 to search for Chozo history. Yeah. Yeah. You go there for, for probably different reasons and it just happens to be the planet where she grew up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, the Metroids, which are like floaty, blobby, jellyfishy things. Oh. I don't know how you would describe that. I would describe that as a creature who stands on four fangs, has three... Balls for a head <laughs> encased in green goo. <laughs> they definitely don't stand. They fl- they all float. Oh, they're floating. Yeah. Okay. So, the Metroids originated on the planet SR-388, uh, where space pirates hijacked a Galactic Federation vessel and stole a batch of specimens to exploit as bioweapons. Uh, the species began to spread out to numerous planets, endangering all life present due to the Metroids living off the life energy of their play. So, they're kind of like... They're like huggers. They kind of like sit on the on on your head and, okay. and absorb all of your life, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, the Chozos engineered the Metroids into existence in order to prevent the spread of the more dangerous X parasites, uh, which we'll speak of later. The met the word Metroid translates to ultimate warrior in the Chozo language. Oh. So they basically created them to to rid of the X parasite, uh, and of course things get out of hand in space. Yeah, well, when the when the ultimate warrior is involved, 
Things are bound to be <laughs> ridiculously stupid. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Uh, their appearance can differ, but all begin life as a jellyfish-like creature before molting in- into a form akin to an to arthropods, like bugs. Okay. Kind of like a bug. Yeah. Uh, the one feature that never changes, though, a translucent protective membrane enclosing a red nucleus. Ah, uh, the green goo. Yes, the green goo. And that brings us to mother brain. Can't so, wait. <laughs> hey? I can't wait to find out what mother brain is. There's, yeah, a few characters to go yeah. before we get into the games. So, mother brain is, yeah, a recurring antagonist in the Metroid series serves and serves as the final boss in more, more than once. Uh, she is an AI created by the Chozo who turned, them against, who turned against them when the space in Pirates evaded, invaded Zebes. Uh, she went on to become the leader of the Space Pirates and heralded their attacks on the Galactic Federation for years to come. Uh, she is stated to come up with the idea of using Metroids as bioweapons against Galactic Society. Mm. So, she's a real bitch, really. Good villain or? Uh, yeah, she's a good villain. I'll show you a picture in a sec. Her body seems to look like an exposed human brain. Uh, but is massive in size and plugged into various mechanical pieces of technology. It is heavily assumed that the mechanical wiring below her serves as a life support system. So she's basically like this massive brain with a big eye that's stuck in between these life support chambers. Wow, yeah. Um, and she's at like the very base of the um, of like the space pirates colony on a planet where they've set up okay. kind of thing. Her body becomes a reconstructed in Super Metroid, which, of course, we'll talk about when we talk about Super Metroid, uh, which, upon being disconnected from a life support system, she appears in a gigantic humanoid slash almost dinosaur-like form that is clearly based on Chozo technology. So, she basically pushes us, gets pushed out of her life support and grows this massive human-like dinosaur mother brain body. It's crazy. <laughs> Straight out of her brain? I guess. She just goes. She just turns into this massive thing. It's scary as hell. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, she's super duper evil, of course. Uh, and she, but she sort of works in the shadows for most of the Metroid experience, because the games don't feed you a lot of information as you go. You don't really come into contact with Mother Brain until towards the end of the game she's in. So, yeah, it like it's not like you know Mother Brain's the culprit of everything the whole game mm-hmm. something you run into later and then it all starts to make sense kind okay. of thing yeah yeah her mother brain's pretty cool speaking of cool villains we've got ridley so ridley is the arch enemy of samus aran uh, and a constant recurring character of the metroid series strangely though he is always considered as the main antagonist of the series although he's usually a secondary antagonist and only the final boss in one game <laughs> really? So, he is a high ra- he is a high-ranking space pirate uh, and referred to as the cunning god of death in the Metroid Zero Mission official art. Good lord. Mm. He's just a dragon and he's a space pirate and a god. <laughs> he excels at causing death and destruction, being responsible for the massacre of the colony of K2L, killing both of Samus' parents in the process. Uh, mm. And the Metroid manga actually features Ridley addressing the space pirate forces prior to the K2L massacre saying, kill as much as you want and have fun. Oh, he should be mother brain with that sort of endearing 
sentiment before a battle. Mate, just he have answer, fun. As he answers to Mother Brain. Yeah. <laughs> and she would have said, just as long as you have fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he has the appearance of a dragon, but his spirit, uh, species is not known. Uh, he fights both in hand-to-hand combat using his lethal claws, talons, and tail, uh, and from range, breathing plasma or shooting large fireballs. And is he very big? He's pretty big, although in the old 2D games, like I guess they can't. They made him as big as they could, mm. but uh, he's <laughs> he's as big as you'd expect in a 1990s or late 80s game. Would you class him as a big thing? Um. No. No. So we're talking Charizard disappointment being five foot tall or something like He'd that. He'd be like bigger than Charizard. No, he's bigger. No. Yeah. <laughs> he's way bigger than. He's like triple Charizard basically. Okay. Yeah. But that's not like so big that it's like, oh my God, that's really like he's big, but yeah. you know. Yeah. He's uh, kind of infamous though for cheating death throughout the series, dying many times over, but returning to fight Samus by pretty bizarre means. Uh, he's He always. He always dies and he always returns. He's That's eternal like Ganon. Yeah, he's a he's the god of he's a he's the god of death. <laughs> uh, so and what what's your opinion of him as a villain? Um oh I think Ridley's cool. I mean, Ridley's like he's interesting. As far as the games all, all the games he features in, I think Ridley's one of the cooler boss battles in all of them. Because usually you need to kill a bunch of different bosses to open up sort of seek a doorway to to further down to near Mother Brain or whatever, and he ends up usually being like the last one before Mother Brain. And he's always a good fight. And definitely, you can definitely tell it's set up as Samus' arch enemy. Okay. The way he swoops in and I think just the intensity of the battle. It's it's like they fought before kind of thing, whereas a lot of the other bosses are just kind of whatever random monster that they thought of and they just put them in a room and you just fight it or whatever. So, they've got a bit of dynamic there with... A bit of beef between them. Yeah. It keeps recurring. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, Ridley basically killed her parents, so there's definitely beef there. Yeah. And that's- Whether uh, whether Samus knows it or not. Yeah. And it sounds like a, a good point of uh, darkness in the story that they were going for. Yeah. Where your parents' killer is unkillable. Yeah, pretty much. As many times as you've been, he just <laughs> yeah. keeps coming back. That yeah. would be the, the ultimate um, thorn in your side. Absolutely. Yeah, Samus can't catch a break in this series, yeah. and yeah, with let alone everything else, but especially with Ridley, it just will not go away. Mm. So, two more characters I want to mention. So we've got Adam Malkovich, who was a celebrated military genius that served for the Federation Police and then the Galactic Federation Army. Uh, he was the only commanding officer to Samus Aran during her time there. Uh, Samus described him as being gruff, harsh. Uh, a perfect military mind and relentless in criticism, but not a machine obsessed with duty. Okay. Remember that. After his death, uh, his consciousness was uploaded to the computer of Samus Aran's Galactic Federation-issued starship. Uh, and before even knowing of the AI's identity, Samus had nicknamed it Adam since its personality reminded Samus of a former commanding officer. Oh. So I guess I just revealed that then. I said remember it. I think I have to reveal it later. <laughs> So Samus remembered him as not a not a machine obsessed with duty, and he basically became Samus's computer in your ship obsessed with duty. So he's one he's the one positive of his of his character, where he's not a machine. Um, Samus went, oh, I can make him. I'll make him a machine. Then 
which means that sentence where she's <laughs> having one positive reflection on him is completely <laughs> no, void Sam, now. No, Samus didn't. Samus didn't do that. It wasn't her. She didn't make in the machine or anything. Yeah. <laughs> she finds out in a different way, which we'll get into later. And the last thing I want to mention, uh, which doesn't come up until the later games, but we've got the ex-parasites, uh, which are called, the, uh, the Federation call them unidentified parasite creature X. So, are we talking letter X or EX? No, literally the little letter X parasite. Yeah. Cool. I was going to say like a former parasite has come back as a parasite. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the ex-parasite is an extremely hostile, shape-shifting organism that is native to the planet SR388, uh, and they can assimilate simulate both the DNA and knowledge of other life forms, as well as to incorporate those features when they take new hosts. And their single-minded drive to consume and spread them uh, spread leaves them a threat to all other life forms in the cosmos, making it urgent to eradicate them. Yeah, it sounds urgent. Yeah. H- how do you how do you kill a weed across the a parasite across the entire cosmos quickly mm. with the Metroids. At least the Chozos thought. Oh, because the Metroids are the hunters of the X. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, cane toad situation. Yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> That's kind of a good way to put it, really. Yeah, the cane toads. Yeah. Luckily, they're only in Queensland. <laughs> yeah, now we don't have. We don't need to go there. Yeah, no, we don't. I suppose no. Well, that's all the characters I wanted to mention. Anything you want to talk about about any of those characters before we move on? Because I think we're going to hit the break and then we're going to come back and talk about all the games. Well, I, I suppose just as a whole, and you might go into this in your episode, um, sorry, in your game breakdowns, but what's the overall, what's your overall feel of the game story through its characters? Like what's the, what's the dynamic there like? Is it, does it have much depth? Is it something that's really important or you think it's okay as a bit of a backstory or do you think there needs to be more of it? Uh, yeah, just what are your thoughts as a whole? I would, I would like their. I mean, I would like the games have already been made. I would have liked to see a bit more, a bit more dialogue, especially coming out of Samus. But even just not, not even her dialogue, but just her general thoughts on things. Because in Metroid Fusion, which is the fourth one, she speaks a bit, and she she think you, you hear her thoughts a bit, and it actually really adds to the storytelling mm-hmm. and the backstory. Um, and I think in those first few games, it's it's really just figuring it out on your own. There's nothing wrong with that no. because they the ga- that's kind of the reason the games are so good because they let you explore and let you find out all of the fun secrets and clues by yourself. But I think they could have done a little bit more just to enhance the story through a bit of dialogue or, or whatever other means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't want that to take away from the story itself because the story is really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And I think just going through that, all those characters there, um, and a bit of the backstory. I hope that makes you excited to hear a bit more because it's. I feel like it'd be something that you would like because it's very spacey and interesting, galactic stuff, different planets and whatever. Mm. So it's it's unique. And I think from the outside looking in, if you're a if you're someone that likes Nintendo or not, and you don't really know much about Metroid, you'd have no idea that the story of Metroid can have this many um, different things going on inside it. So it's it's always it's a, it's a surprise for everyone that plays it. Yeah, well, I'm keen to hear because. It sounds nicely basic without being uh, not in a disrespectful way hmm. as it sounds like uh, the love you're showing for it and exp- saying that you can't wait for me to hear about, I'm keen to hear about it because hmm. it's like it seems like a nice and simple series yeah. thus far. Yeah, it's not like extremely complicated or anything. Hmm. It's it's relatively easy to follow but um, I think the best way to follow it honestly would probably be 
to listen to me tell you after the break, really, because it's because in if you play the games, you you really got to seek it out. Mm. But if you listen to this podcast, I'm about to tell you everything that happens in the order and all the backstory. Give me some nuance, Will. Nuance, some delicate story words. <laughs> Bring it home. Okay, <laughs> after the break. <laughs> Oh, Jimbo, we're off air, aren't we? Yeah, good. I'm just getting sick of all this Nintendo talk. Will, how many Nintendo episodes have we covered so far? Um, we did Pokemon in episode four. That's right. Uh, original generation. Episode nine was Ocarina of Time. Oh, yeah. Widely considered one of the greatest games to have ever been made. From the Nintendo 64, which was episode 22. Oh, yeah. And that's a pretty good console, if I remember correctly. Had Banjo Kazooie on it. That was episode twenty-six, and that was a blast and a half. Speaking of mascots, that was episode three. We spoke about Mario and Link. Oh yes, you know what? I'm actually starting to come around to Nintendo a bit. I think that's all we've done. Uh, we did, we did boss battles in episode twenty-one, and we covered uh, some Nintendo stuff. Ganon and Bowser, amongst others. Yep, video game villains episode twenty-seven. That was last week. I spoke about Bowser. And Ganon, and amongst Tom, others. Tom Nook. <laughs> 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 Nintendo is pretty consistent on the Rumble Pack. Yeah, and look, I'm sorry about what I said. I'm not getting sick of them because I realised that anybody who loves Nintendo should definitely go back and check out all of those episodes. Wink. Can I go to lunch now? I was halfway out the door. Yeah, you can. Thanks, Will. Sorry. Sorry, Jimbo. Yep. Hit it. <laughs> Righto, Will, hit us with those game recaps because I need to know what the hell this series is about. <laughs> well, strap in because I have a lot to say. Too much, probably. But here we go. All right, that's you've already said too much. Yeah, that, even that was just too long. I'm all, it was always nerves. I didn't want to start, so I just tried to stretch out the yeah. The intro. I mean, if we if we go back to what we the experience we had with that intro recording. Oh yeah, where <laughs> you couldn't actually start the first two words I correctly. Speak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was terrible. Well, we started at the beginning. Metroid, the original Metroid, the, of the in, from eighteen uh, sorry from nineteen eighty six. But <laughs> don't laugh. I'm only just getting started. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's the that's the worrying thing. <laughs> Don't worry about the original Metroid, though. Because we're talking about Metroid Zero Mission, which is the 2004 remake for the Game Boy Advance of the original game. Oh. But don't even think about that. Oh, my God. Because I played it in the way, the totally way cooler way on the Nintendo Wii U in 2021. Wow. The absolute coolest way you could play that game. Yeah. Not really, but (laughs) (laughs) that's how I experienced Metroid Zero Mission. This is the first Metroid I played uh, pretty much the day, two days after after the E3 trailer for Metroid Dread, I started playing this game and I finished it in on that that weekend Um, and it only takes like five hours or something. So, it's not like it was long, but man, I was just encapsulated by it. Like I could not stop playing it. It was just so fun and just the, the movement of Samus is just so good. So satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, it was designed and released to retell the story of Samus' original mission, 
and I think it does a fantastic job at just that. So, this is the opening dialogue from Samus when you start the game. Planet Zebus. I called this place home once in peaceful times, long before evil haunted the caverns below. Now, I shall finally tell the tale of my first battle here, my so-called Zero Mission. Oh, like obviously that's not what it said in the original game, but we're not talking about the original. This is a bit uh, WrestleMania here. Imagine calling the first mission zero, and then your second mission is going to be one. <laughs> yeah. The uh, what's their anniversary going to be? Metroid Twenty Six will be the twenty fifth anniversary. Yeah. No, Metroid. Yeah, it's, it's sorry. Yeah, twenty six. Five will be in the twenty sixth year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. As I previously mentioned, uh, the space pirates attacked a research vessel in deep space and seized capsules containing an unknown species that had been discovered on SR-38. Um, the space pirates planet planned to use this discovery, known as the Metroids, uh, to multiply their numbers dramatically and launch assaults on to existing planets and the Galactic Federation itself, uh, which would inevitably cause the destruction of all civilization. We're just going for it. Yeah. We're going all the way to destroying the whole galaxy. Yeah, well. <laughs> Pretty much. But, like, if the Metroids spread, there'd be nothing to stop them. Like, they can basically destroy anything. I've, is it a bit disappointing that the whole series is named after a little blob of three balls with green on its head and four fangs? It's certainly a bit weird. It's yeah. certainly a bit weird that it's like that. I kind of I like it. But funnily enough, there's not... Any Metroids in Metroid Dread? <laughs> so the game's called Metroid Dread. Doesn't involve any Metroids. Because <laughs> so. I just, I always just thought that, despite you telling us earlier, I always thought that uh, Samus was a Metroid. Yeah, it's like calling um, it's it's like calling Link Zelda. It's the same thing. Mm, it's like the the name doesn't really associate with what you're actually doing. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> So, the Federation discovers that the space pirates are using the planet Zebus as their home base and send a full-scale assault on the planet, uh, which does not go as planned, forcing them to retreat. As a last resort, they send a lone bounty hunter to penetrate the pirate base and destroy their leader, Mother Brain. Uh, that bounty hunter's name? Uh, uh, Dad Brain. Metroid. No, oh. Samus Aran. Oh. <laughs> So, Samus lands on the planet and begins to explore the vast cavern systems below. Uh, she takes down Mother Brain's generals, Kraid and Ridley. So, Kraid is pretty much like this massive green dra fat dragon dude. Uh, uh, he, he sort of is a recurring boss in a lot of Metroid games as well. Funnily enough, I feel like Kraid would almost be in the same amount of games as the boss as Ridley, but no one talks about Kraid. 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 So, it's K-R-A-I-D. Kraid. Wow. Yeah, so no and, one talks about Kraid. And Everyone he's got talks a about Ridley. very large stomach. Yeah. You've got to shoot the balls in his stomach and then you end up shooting his gob. Okay. Yeah. So that's screenshots from Zero Mission. Um, but yeah, it's funny how everyone talks about Ridley but no one talks about Kraid. In fact, when you said before that would you consider Ridley as a big thing, uh, my mind immediately thought about Kraid. I was like, well, Kraid's pretty big. Okay. Yeah, and in Dread, he's absolutely gigantic as well. How big? In Dread, he's probably as big as those dragons from Shang-Chi. Nice. Yeah, he's huge. Yeah, sick. <laughs> so, uh, before finding... She destroys... Uh, takes down Kraid and Ridley before finding and destroying Mother Brain 
in one of the most annoying boss fights of my damn life. So, in the Mother Brain boss fight, you basically have to stand on this little platform in front of Mother Brain and keep shooting the actual brain itself. But there's all these like tiny lasers that come in from the corners of the screen and all these you different things. Got to keep things. dodging. So you got to dodge all these different lasers and balls and things coming from every angle while staying on this tiny platform above the lava. Oh, it's chaos! It was oh. so difficult. Luckily for me, though, I was using. Um, I was playing it on the Wii U Virtual Console, and you can use save states whenever you want. And just as the thing, I was just like doing save states before most rooms before I walked in, and I did one before this room. So I just kept reloading my save state and doing it again until I got it. Otherwise, I would have had to go all the way back to the save point and come all the way back through every time. Oh. So, it could have been worse. We are very <laughs> lucky for those suspend points. Slash save oh, so because, lucky. Because even playing Mario Party, uh, Mario Tennis on the Switch, the, the 64 version, yep. the amount of times I lost to Donkey Kong, <laughs> it, it would have killed me. But luckily, I saved just before I started. Yeah, nice. And it turns out you can uh, you actually double press A to get maximum power. I never realized and I started killing him in yeah, the last okay. game. Yeah, so I'll teach you something. <laughs> nice. You, you could teach me something, honestly. Yeah. Um, so she destroys Mother Brain. Uh, upon leaving the planet, her vessel is attacked by space pirates and she crash lands back on Zebus near the space pirate mothership. Uh, she survives the crash, but her, but her ship and suit do not. She leaves. Uh, this leaves Samus virtually defenseless and brings in her zero suit form. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. She's in She's in Zero Suit. I don't think this part of the game is actually in the original game. They added this in Zero Mission just to provide more story context. Okay. Um, so, Samus, uh, she finds nearby ruins during her escape that are an ancient Chozo temple called Chozodia. <laughs> uh, she learns about her history a bit and she passes a test to gain a new power suit known as the Gravity Suit. So, Ooh. the Gravity Suit allows for free movement in liquids and provides protection from lava and just makes Samus just ping around the rooms. It's epic. And so, usually purple. It looks really cool. I mean, anything to do with gravity should be lava proof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's more because you can go into the... You can basically go into water quite deep and you can still jump in the same manner you would out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. But it just also helps protect you from lava. That's just a, <laughs> yeah. a point as well. Uh, Samus eventually encounters Mecha Ridley... A robot created, crafted by Ridley in his own image that has taken command of the mothership during Ridley's absence. And she defeats him and escapes the planet while the mothership explodes, causing all of the space pirates' Metroid research to be destroyed. Oh, they really put you in tight spaces with the bosses, don't they? Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, in that boss in particular, I think, I think the Mecha Ridley sort of slowly crawls towards you. Oh, okay. Something like that, so you... The longer you take, the less space you've got. Yeah. Um, of course, the original Metroid is one of the defining games in Nintendo's history. Uh, they constantly re-release the damn thing, even though everybody would way prefer to play the Game Boy Advance version. Mm. <laughs> they constantly release the original, even though it's barbaric from 18, uh, 1986. Yeah. <laughs> it's like just re-release the re-release you made, yeah. you idiots. Yeah. Um, there is no doubt... Yeah, no doubt that Zero Mission is the best way to enjoy the first game. Like, if you're going to play it, find a way to play Zero Mission. It's a great game. And I would genuinely give it a 10 out of 10. Yeah, and with extra story context. Yeah, it's really damn good. Like, that was... I'm really glad I was the first Metro to beat. It really just made me want to play them all. 
It was so satisfying to play. Well, what was the main hook for you? The the movement, I think. And just the atmosphere too. Like, it's easy to brush over it, but the music in Metroid is so atmospheric. And running around through those areas, as you gain more abilities with the suit, you get stronger. You get the... Um, you get the bloody... I'm going to blank what it's called now. There's an ability where you can jump through the air and do a quick spin and you actually have like you to turn into an electric ball and you can basically like destroy anything just by jumping into it. You just spin dash stuff. Um, and that plus the really fast sprinting you get later in Zero Mission. Because you've unlocked all the map, you know exactly where you're going. You just gun it around the map with this atmospheric music. It's it's so satisfying. It just feels so good to play. It's like it's like a similar feeling to Ori and the Will of the Wisps movement. Okay. It's like that. Yeah. Yeah. Orivania. Yeah. Well, geez. There's not much get there's not many games ever that have better movement than Ori in the Will of the Wisps, and Metroid Zero Mission would, would come close. But I'm not gonna say it's better, but geez, yeah. it's close. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Zero Mission. And that leads into Metroid Two, Return of Samus, which was the original name, and but I've played Metroid Samus Returns, which was the Nintendo three DS remake, came out in two thousand seventeen. Uh, oh, is it 2017? Yeah, it was September 15th, 2017 uh, in all regions. Even though the Nintendo Switch had come out earlier that year, they still put a Metroid game on the 3DS because why not? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, Metroid 2 is, yeah, the sequel and it's made for the darn Game Boy. Uh, but seeing as I was not born yet in 1992, uh, I played the remake, of course. The remake was handled by a second party developer called Mercury Steam. From Spain. Oh. Yes, Mercury Steam came on board and made this remake. So, the Game Boy original Game Boy game was created to mark a new high point for handheld game consoles and features graphics that were not too dissimilar to the 8-bit graphics that had already featured on the NES. But the only caveat is that the Game Boy played only in black and white. So, that sort of limited the details of the environments of the game and it also forced them to do a uh, redesign of Samus entirely um, being the redesign was the big bulky shoulder shoulders on her enhanced power suit mm-hmm. because there was no way in the first game the different suits when you'd upgrade they'd be different colored but because of the game it was black and white there was nowhere to tell it on the upgrades so they okay. gave her the massive bulky shoulders which ended up staying as a design oh, yeah okay. so that's how that came in yeah. <laughs> so here's the little opening spiel in uh from i've got for every game i've got the opening spiel of what samus says okay. just to lay the foundation of that game um so they sl- they slowly carry over tell you what happened before and then what leading into so they get a bit long so sorry to happen to hear me speak so much if you want to say anything now you can just to break it up uh can i go now <laughs> i mean you could and i don't think anyone would know <laughs> <laughs> all right in the year 20X5 of the Cosmic Calendar, a Galactic Federation research team discovered an unknown life form on planet SR388. While they were able to successfully obtain a living sample, their research vessel was attacked by the space pirates on their long voyage home. This attack was no coincidence. The space pirates had set their sights on the mysterious organisms called Metroids. They planned to replicate the sample and exploit its ability to absorb energy, the energy of any life form. Their intention was to use Metroids as a weapon, one powerful enough to conquer the entire galaxy. 
To combat this threat, the Galactic Federation dispatched a lone bounty hunter to infiltrate the space pirate base on the planet Zebus. Against all odds, Samus Aran eradicated the Metroids on Zebus and defeated Mother Brain, the leader of the space pirates, and so their sinister plans were thwarted for a time. Concerned by these developments and by the great threat the Metroid species still pose to the galaxy, the Galactic Federation mounted another expedition for S to SR-388. A special squadron of elite soldiers from the Galactic Federation police were dispatched to investigate. The team soon went missing, but not before transmitting a small sampling of data back to headquarters. Analysis of this data confirmed the Metroid presence within the interior of planet SR-388. So long as they continued to exist, the Metroids, these Metroids would forever pose a devastating threat to the galaxy. The resulting decision of the Galactic Federation Council was to immediate, was immediate and unanimous. Samus Aran, you must exterminate the Metroids once and for all. And then what did Samus say? Yeah, funnily enough, I thought that was Samus' thoughts, but <laughs> that, that is the opening the sprawl of the game anyway. I'll just call it the opening sprawl from now on. She would have said affirmative. Yeah, well, she would have went, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, basically on in Metroid 2, the Samus's goal is to take down all of the Metroids on SR-388. There are, I think, 40. Okay. I'm pretty sure there's 40 in total in the remake anyway. And it all culminates with Samus destroying the Metroid Queen, which is kind of like a big uh, final form of a Metroid, which is like a big sort of lizardy, spiky thing. Yeah, like a razorback lizard yeah, thing. It's, it's almost got like dog legs too. Yeah, it's pretty pretty bizarre. But anyway, Samus ends up taking down the Queen Metroid. But shortly after, Samus discovers a Metroid egg that hatches in front of her and she prepares to eliminate it, but it becomes it becomes confused. Sorry. She prepares to eliminate it, but, but Samus becomes confused when the infant does not attack her, but instead thinks Samus is her mother. Oh. She is unable to kill it, so she takes it with her. Uh, but of course, he's back. Upon reaching her gunship, they are surprised by Proteus Ridley, who oh. tries to abduct the baby Metroid. Uh, and, of course, he is defeated and the pair leave SR388 together on in her gunship. Uh, Proteus Ridley is kind of like a sort of final a final form of a robotic version of Ridley that's like kind of weird-ass looking. I can't actually even see where Ridley is in that image. <laughs> He's in the top left. He's like green oh. and purple. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I thought you pointed bottom right. I was like, there's nothing there. Sorry. Yeah. If you look up Proteus Ridley on Google, if you're listening, yeah, he kind of looks like he's got a robotic shell and then sort of purple wings and a purple face. He's sort of funny looking. Yeah. A bit like an elite guard. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. So, Samus Returns. So I think the main thing that's interesting about this game is that it features Aeon abilities for the first time, uh, which is essentially like a fuel for Samus, which she refills through orb drops when she defeats enemies. Um, it's like the abilities, they use like a gauge system that depletes as they used. Some of the abilities are a scan pulse uh, that scans the environment, lightning armor, which helps prevent physical damage, beam burst, which enhances the beam attack power, and a phase drift that slows down time. Okay. So you can use all those and it, gain, it drains the Aeon meter or whatever. Is that spelled A-E-O-N? A-E-I-O-N. A-E-I-O-N? A-A- well, I-, I might be pronouncing it wrong. No, that'd be right. Aeon. I was thinking like Aeon Flux, the movie. Yeah. Mm. Who knows? <laughs> 
yeah, so that wasn't in the original Metroid 2. Brought It was brought in in Samus Returns and it um, uh, comes back in Metroid Dread as well. Okay. So that's Metroid 2. Basically, you, she goes to SR-388 and destroys a bunch of Metroids and then one of them thinks Samus is her mother and she can't bring herself to kill her, so she takes a nut. And do you sort of learn a bit about Samus in this game as a... I mean, obviously she takes a child back does that yeah to you does that sort of I mean, uh, make does it make you connect with her anymore yeah about her you learn that she's got a heart because yeah. before that she's just a she's just a bounty hunter like she'll do whatever the bounty is but she because technically the bounty is to eliminate all metroids yeah and she uh at the time in the time of uh need she she is there for a baby metroid after destroying all the rest of them <laughs> yeah okay so you find out that she has a heart i suppose but you don't find out a ton in this game about her her uh, Chozo backstory or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not a bad game or anything. It's probably the least celebrated Metroid game, okay. I'd say, just being that it's very, it's very like backtracky and a bit slow, just hunting the Metroids, things like that. You don't, there's no real Nothing new. final agenda at the end of the game, like, like trying to kill Mother Brain or anything like that. You kind of just go there and take all the Metroids down. Yeah. Okay. It's whatever. Yeah, but no, a good game nonetheless. But it doesn't really matter because the next game uh, is known to be one of the greatest video games of all time, and that is Super Metroid, which uh, I've got the cartridge right here. If you want to take a look at that, Luke. Yes. It's a very good condition cartridge too, I've got, I found. So unsurprisingly, Luke, Super Metroid being one of the greatest games of all time, it also came out in the greatest year known to man, 1994. Oh, my God. The year that both of us were born. Hell yeah. I wrote down some fun things. That and the year that Geelong lost the grand final. <laughs> well, I didn't write that, but I could have. Here's some other great things that happened in 1994 for fun. Our Dallas Cowboys won their last Super Bowl against Buffalo. Jeepers. Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction and Shawshank Redemption were all released. Uh, Brazil beat Italy 3-2 to win the World Cup. Jeff Bezos founded Amazon. Back then? Yeah. I thought Amazon was like 10 years old. And two of our favourites were born, Harry Styles and Justin Bieber. Oh, the boys. <laughs> and what about Sean? Sean Michaels, where was he in that point? I reckon he yeah. was coming up in the coming up in the wrestling scene yeah. about two years away oh. from the boyhood dream. Yes. Yeah. And here's some other great games that were released in uh, 1994. Donkey Kong Country, Earthbound, Final Fantasy VI, Warcraft... Uh, the Elder Scrolls Arena, and the classic Daytona USA. Oh. How good is that? That was a great game. Yeah. So, Super Metroid uh, was the largest video game on the Super Nintendo at its release, being a whopping 24 megabit. And I have a feeling... uh, How many megabit did you say? 24. I have a feeling 23 of those megabit were taken up by Craig's Guts that are I know. showing the background of this it's cartridge. Always, it's always cracked me up. Anyone listening, if you uh, if you look <laughs> up the um, if you look up the box art for Super Metroid, it's got Samus fighting off Ridley, and for some reason, Craig's b- lower half is just floating in the yeah. background. <laughs> just his his toes are just dangling in with his with his guts hanging in there. It's so bizarre. With and Ridley looking badass in the front. Ridley looks badass bright, in bright this. red. Yeah, and he's just. I mean, maybe maybe Craig's stuck in this crater that they're fighting in. He just can't get in. He's just, yeah. he's just wedged there. Like his, his head's feet's, stuck in the, yeah. in the hole. Like, <laughs> like, boom. Yeah. He's waiting to be yeah. um, uh, bottles out of there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I There is a um, 
one of Ridley's skins in Super Smash Brothers is the all red, and I usually play that one, oh, nice. the Super Metroid one. Yeah, I should have given you the Samus Returns box before to have a look at. I didn't. Sorry. Well, I can't. It's still time. Still time. Will. Here you go. Still time. Let me play with things. You play with that. All right. So Samus Returns is basically, uh, yeah, considered one of the greatest video games of all time. Super Metroid. Ah, so, yeah, geez, sorry. <laughs> but Super Samus Metroid. Returns case is very cool. Yeah, I'm glad cool. you gave it to me. It I cool. wish you had given it to me earlier, yeah, Will. Yeah, sorry. It's <laughs> actually an epic case. Yeah. Uh, it ranked number four on IGN's 2018 list of the greatest video games of all time. Really? Only defeated by Portal 2. A leg- uh, the Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past, <laughs> A Legend of Zelda, <laughs> The Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past, and uh, Super Mario World. Portal yeah. Two, the greatest ever. That was number three. Oh, Super Mario World was number one, but Super Metroid came number four. What's Super Mario World? Uh, it's the uh, Super Nintendo Mario. Right. Yeah. Um, and you'll be happy to know, Luke, that your game Assassin's Creed Four Black Flag ranked at ninety fifth. Fantastic. Lovely. Yeah. Great. I just wanted to say, when I was looking, I saw it, I was like, I've got to tell him. And where was Bioshock? I think uh, I don't know. I didn't look through the whole list. It would have to be, that would have to be top 25 or something. It's only like top, uh, it's only about 10. I believe Red Dead Redemption was eighth. Cool. Yeah. Tetris was seventh, I think. So, sucked in. <laughs> All right. So, here's the opening sprawl for Super Metroid. Spiel. I'm not going to say it's Samus's thoughts because I don't think it is. Actually, this is. <laughs> <laughs> I first battled the Metroids on planet Zevis. It was there that I followed the plans of the space pirate leader Mother Brain to use the creatures to attack galactic civilization. I next fought the Metroids on the homeworld SR388. I completely eradicated them except for a larva, which after hatching followed me like a confused child. I personally delivered it to the Galactic Federation station at Ceres so the scientists could study its energy producing qualities. The scientists' findings were out, were astounding. They discovered that the powers of the Metroid might be harnessed for the good of civilization. Satisfied that all was well, I left the station to seek a new bounty to hunt. But I had hardly gone beyond the asteroid belt when I picked up a distress signal. Sarah's station was under attack. Oh. And who do you think attacked it? Craid. He accidentally sat <laughs> on it. Falling through space. He accidentally sat on it. <laughs> <laughs> so Samus returns to Sarah Station only to find that that pain in the ass, Ridley, is up to no good once again. Bloody hell. Trying to escape with the baby Metroid capsule in his grasp, uh, Samus tries to stop him but is defeated and must escape the station before it explodes. Uh, she gets in her gunship, uh, her starship rather, they call this one, and she chases Ridley toward the planet Zebus returning once again to a Chozo homeworld where the space pirates have quietly rebuilt their facilities. Quietly just tinkering away. Yeah, yeah, just shh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, hammer, hammer more quietly. And then Craig's there just like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody feed that big dinosaur. Jesus. <laughs> so, uh, this time around, Samus needs to defeat the four major bosses to open the doorway to Turian which is the name of the research facility built into Zebus. Um, it's not really explained why this is the case. It was 1994. They didn't really explain things. But there's basically like a... There's this statue of the four main bosses that once you defeat them all, the, the doorway underneath them opens to, to lead in, which is like 
I don't know. It's kind of weird. Did it? Did was that the only way in for anyone, or was that just for Samus? To be honest, I think the creation of anything in 1994 does not need any story. Well, I see what I mean. It's like so don't confusing. <laughs> anyway, the four the four bosses are Craid, uh, Fantoon, which is like a sort of ghostly uh, eyeball thing, and then there's Dragon, which is a weird looking dragon, uh, and then of course Ridley. And I've got the pictures to show you, so you can have a look. I love the creative ways that. Oh my. God, look at Craid. Yeah, Craid. I can't take my eyes off him. He's disgusting. He's just, he's, <laughs> he's, oh, he, he looks like the bloke who sells you things in Resident Evil 8. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The merchant or whatever merchant, I don't know what his yeah. name is. Yeah. Now that looks cool. Ethan, you're back again. Are Ethan. <laughs> he starts eating. You hear his chops. I know. You oh, can hear him cooking and stuff. It's gross. Yeah, that's cool. So then, yeah, fan tunes, this sort of ghostly eyeball thing. Yeah. And then there's dragons, a weird. Ghost met looking metapod, and then uh, and then of course Ridley, which is the Ridley fight's quite difficult too. She it, Ridley like it's in the air a lot. You gotta you gotta sort of wall jump to get up to him and shoot him and all this stuff. It's quite difficult. And is this probably goes beyond this game? So feel free to answer later if you like. But mm-hmm. is Ridley a good villain? Like, like uh, does he have much personality to him, or is he just rock up and he's just like the evil thing that wants to destroy things? Yeah, he's does, that. Is there any depth to him? Not really. Yeah. He's just the evil bastard. Yeah. That's always there. Yeah. Yeah. Wishes he had the name Dragon. <laughs> yeah. Not Ridley. Yeah. Why didn't they call him Fantoon? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So Samus battles her way through Turian, uh, destroying- uh, Sorry, after you defeat the bosses, you go into, into Turian and you just she destroys many mock troids along the way, which are failed Metroid attempts by the space pirates. Mock troids. No. Hilarious. Uh, and eventually encounters a giant Metroid who latches itself onto Samus, draining all but one single energy from her power suit. And, you know, why did the Metroid stop? It's not, I mean, why would, why would the Metroid stop at one health, you know? Yeah. Funnily enough, I didn't understand what was happening here and I thought that you had to get away from the Metroid so I continuously kept dying. But because I was playing this on my Switch, so I played this on the Switch um, uh, uh, SNES app thing, and you can use save states for the old games. And I would save before going into each room or whatever, just as a safe safety. And because I kept getting caught by this Metroid and seemingly dying, I would reload my save state and do it again. And I just kept doing it over and over. And I was like, how the hell do you do- how the hell do you get past this Metroid? But it turns out that you're supposed to let it do that because that's exactly how it plays out. Like mm. you're supposed to let it drain you to one energy. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And I, just, I just kept thinking I'm dying and I just kept reloading my save. <laughs> I must have done it about 15, 20 times. <laughs> that's what you get for using modern technology to try to beat the old stuff. I know, exactly right. Yeah, If I'd played this on my Super Nintendo, it wouldn't have been a problem mm. unless I reset it like an absolute crazy person or something. Yeah. Yeah. So after all this, you run into Mother Brain, uh, restored into her former capsule being they're back at their old facility uh, and you destroy the capsule again and you begin what is known as the final conflict where Mother Brain attaches itself to its big-ass mechanical dino body. <laughs> I did try to find a technical name and that's what I came up with. Dino uh, body? Hey? Don- dino body. Uh, uh, her big-ass mechanical dino body, oh. in fact. Oh, little, little arms? Yes. Oh, cute. Yeah. Uh, and it starts shooting laser beams at you. The laser beam attacks are way too strong for Samus, which eventually leave her pretty much dead. Like, you actually scripted get absolutely destroyed by this laser beam and Samus is, like, gone. Oh, like a Bowser beam. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, yeah, like Bowser's big beam. Yeah, whatever Bowser's it's called. Beam, yeah. yeah. Um, 
from uh, Space Land. Yeah. Mario Party, yeah. But at the last moment, the giant Metroid storms in and drains Mother Brain of a lot of its energy, leaving it grey and lifeless on the ground. Oh. Um, turns out this Metroid is the baby Metroid Samus saved on SR388, uh, and it has come to help you in the time of need, now transferring that energy to Samus from Mother Brain's dino body. Uh, however, Mother Brain recovers and... One final shot from the laser beam destroys the baby Metroid, leaving its remains to fall upon Samus. Oh, no. An awfully sad moment. But in epic fashion, Samus now possesses energy from the mother brain, allowing her to use the powerful hyper beam attack. Oh, God. It's big brain time. Going full on Dragonite. Uh, and she destroys the absolute hell out of mother brain once and for all with hyper beam. Nice. It's awesome. It's like a full-on rainbow beam out of a cannon. So hyper, beam, hyper beam is just the purest Pokemon move they can be. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's normal. And guess what? Samus didn't need to wait a turn to use it. She just went bang. Bang. Nice. Yeah. Um, this triggers a self-destruct mechanism once Mother Brain is destroyed, meaning Samus has to rush off the planet within three minutes, uh, which she does, of course, and Zebus cracks open and explodes behind her as she flies away, destroying the homeworld of the Chozo forever. Sick. Yeah. So that's Super Metroid. It's a bloody great game too. And I actually played Super Metroid in the week leading up to Metroid Dread before I come out. I played the whole game that week for the first time and God, it's a great game. How long is it roughly? Uh, it took me about eight eight hours, Okay, I think. And to be fair, that was with a few cheaty save states. So it probably would have taken me nine to ten if I didn't use that, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it probably would have taken me half an hour less if I didn't keep save stating that stupid bit <laughs> <laughs> where I was meant to just let the Metroid attack me. Yeah. Yeah. But now Super Metroid's a great game. It's it's really fun. It's so atmospheric. It looks really good. It f- plays really well. Samus gets a lot of cool abilities and uh, yeah, there's lots of boss fights and it's just awesome. Now, was it called Super Metroid because it came out in the Super Nintendo? Yeah. And it was just that naming convention? Yeah. It's a bit lame, isn't it? They do that for all their stuff back then, like yeah. Super Mario World. Well, Mario actually, 64. The original's called Super Mario. I don't know what the hell am I talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's, sorry, there's Super Mario Kart. Yeah. There'd be there'd be tons more. And then, you know, you get into the 64 and everything's something 64. Is that, that Super, just, Mario, Super Mario 64, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Super Mario 64, yeah. It's a blend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they did that back in the day for everything. I'm not sure why. Mm. I think it started with, this, with the... Um, the war about how many bits a console had because I remember I, was, I remember I was saying back when we did the episode on the 64 which I don't even know how long that go that it was probably last week I don't know yeah the they named the Nintendo 64 the 64 because of its 64 bit processing power and that stuff started well before the 64 back in the Super Nintendo days so I'm guessing they named it Super Metroid based on the Super Nintendo being powerful and all this stuff yeah probably because it makes a good like a good name for the game though. Like well, it's a Super- cool name anyway. Yeah but, yeah. but it's sort of annoying that it's named after the console, not because Samus is super. I mean, she uses Hyper Beam. Yeah. So, she gets pretty super in the final moments. Gotta well, say. And I guess the Metroid that the game's named after, Baby Metroid became super in saving her. Um, Yeah, in a way. We can, it's so many things we can look at. Mother Brain even kind of becomes super. Yeah. By getting a big dino body. And then Samus mm. absorbed all the brain and became super. <laughs> yeah. Super brain. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Anyway, last but not least, well, the last one I'm going to go in depth to anyway 
is called Metroid Fusion, which personally is my favorite name of any of the games. I just think that's a really cool name, hmm. Metroid Fusion. Not to be confused with Trials Fusion, a Swedish motocross game. Welcome to the future. <laughs> yeah. So, Metroid Fusion was released for the Game Boy Advance in November 2002, uh, eight years after Super Metroid. But, of course, I played it the coolest way you could on the Wii U Virtual Console. Because, stupidly, the only place that Nintendo has re-released the Game Boy Advance library is on the Wii U. Uh, Bizarre. Like, they could have put it on the 3DS yeah. virtual console, but they chose to put it on the Wii U at the time. It's like, what? what? And anyway. they could have just brought it, ported that straight to the Switch. Well, there's hope that they will, but hope, all hope is largely gone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Metroid Fusion's pretty cool. This is the opening sprawl. It's a pretty long one, but here we go. You may go, um, I don't know, you can go get lunch if you like. When you said fusion now, I feel like I feel like Asian for lunch. Well, it's nearly lunchtime. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> then this is from Metroid. Uh, oh, God. This is from Samus's, <laughs> Samus's view. I just called Samus Metroid. Yeah. I would like to retire from this episode. <laughs> mate, when you, you grow up with Nintendo, you're bound to be a bit confused about most things in life. It's fine. <laughs> you're not wrong. All right. So, this is what Samus says. I'd been assigned to watch over Biologic's research team, so I once again found myself on the surface of SR388. It was there that I was attacked by a life form I had never encountered before. It was only later that I learned the identity of my attacker, the parasite organism we now know as X. Unaware of my condition, I was returning to the station when disaster struck. Once the X had infested my uh, central nervous system, I lost consciousness and my ship drifted into an asteroid belt. The, the ship's emergency systems automatically ejected the escape pod before impact. Biologic's vessel recovered it and transported me to Galactic Federation HQ. However, during the journey, the X multiplied within me, corrupting large areas of my power suit. It then came to light that the, organ, the organic components of my power suit had become so integrated with my system that it could not be removed while I was unconscious. Large portions of my suit had to be surgically removed, dramatically altering my physical appearance. However, the X in my central nervous system were too embedded to be removed safely. I was given minimal chance of survival. Wow. Then, someone found a cure. They proposed using a Metroid cell to make an anti-X vaccine. It seems that the Federation had managed to preserve a cell culture, uh, a cell culture from the last infant Metroid from SR388. The serum was prepared and injected without delay. The ex-parasites were immediately and completely destroyed. As for me, one life ended, yet I survived, reborn as something different. Pondering this fact, I realize I owe the Metroid Hatchling my life twice over. We'll soon be arriving at the BSL research station. I must prepare for docking. The ship's computer has notified me of our approach to the Biologic Space Labs or BSL research station. During my surgery, the research team sent the last batch of creatures we have we captured there, as well as the infected pieces of my power suit. Oh, so much reading, I feel like I'm going to pass out. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost done. After regaining consciousness, I learned that an unexplained explosion rocked the station. For some reason, this awoke a nameless fear in my heart, and now I am being sent there to investigate. My mission on the BSL station will be overseen by my new ship's computer. 
Following the commands of this blunt computerized CO is something I have to bear as it was my condition as it was a condition of taking the ship of my taking the ship. For someone who dislikes taking orders, this is the second time I found myself having to do so. It makes me re- recall my other commanding officer. So, <laughs> what do you think of that? It's it's a it's a bit to take in. Yeah. But it's actually it's in a way disappointing that the most personal side of her story yet is all done in the opening spiel. Mm. Well, but- this game does feature a lot more dialogue with Samus and the computer. Yeah. Um, as does Dread. So there's a bit more from here, but um, yeah. That, uh, but Metroid is very famous for telling its story through its environments and stuff. So mm. it's from the outside looking and hearing this, it would it, you'd think that way, but I don't think that's entirely true. Yeah. Well, but yeah. at the same time, it's still it still probably sets up that the game is going to be more character driven. Yeah. In that way. Yeah. So that's so it's not it's not a bad thing. It's just a uh, Sort of, uh, it's probably a relief, I suppose, that we're finally hearing about uh, Samus yeah. a bit more about herself. In a way, yeah. So Samus, yeah, is injected with a Metroid cell to heal her from the X parasites the start of this game, which kind of makes her a Metroid, mm. sort of. <laughs> you can start calling her Metroid now if you like. I would love to. This helps Samus, making her invulnerable to the average X, and is also makes her able to absorb them to replenish her health and ammunition because the because the metroids were the apex predator of the x she can pretty much absorb the um the x parasites globby form blobby form if you remember I was globby green head like sort of blobs oh, that float those, yep yep so like the x can take over a, a body of a creature but once you destroy the creature the x parasite blob will flow through the air and samus can absorb it okay so, where am I? During her investigation, Samus discovers that creatures stored in the BSL station have become infected by the X and that the X can use their prey's DNA to create perfect copies. Upon further exploration of the station, she discovers the X have used the infected portions of her power suit to create a copy of Samus herself that they dub the SAX. It blasts itself out of the quarantine bay and uses the X specimens to escape and litter them through the whole spaceship okay so there's basically an x version of samus walking around the space station creepy yeah (laughs) and does she just pop up throughout the game yes so samus discovers dozens uh after this samus discovers dozens of infant metroids in a restricted laboratory of the vessel who are results of a cloning project the galactic federation is currently pursuing that samus was not aware of uh, the SAX shows up and it attempts to destroy the Metroids, being they are the main predator of the X, and there's an X, you know. Uh, but the plan backfires as the failsafe mechanism is triggered, dislodging the lab from the station and sending it to destruction over SA- SR388. Uh, the station's computer tells Samus that they had been working on a Metroid breeding program for peaceful applications throughout the galaxy. All I can say to that is lol. Mm. Uh, and the lab's environment was in de- was ideal for Metroid growth and allowed Metroid to grow to their final stage, an Omega Metroid, within just days. Oh. So they were just breeding Metroids up the wazoo here. Yeah, well. Right under Samus's nose. Terrible. Uh. Also a bummer. 
The ship's computer reveals that the SAX had been reproducing asexually and that there were no fewer than 10 of them now aboard the ship. The sax was asexual? (laughs) There's a big oof for Samus. Yeah. Because there's 10 or more out there now and they're reproducing at a quick rate. Wow. Hectic. So, the computer tells Samus to leave the rest of the investigation to the Federation who have apparently taken an interest in the SAX and the parasites for law for their endless applications. Uh, but Samus doesn't see it this way, understanding how quickly the X would take over the entire Federation, resulting in spreading throughout the entire galaxy. Because she's not an idiot, no. basically. Mm. But to be fair, she's also dealt with all this stuff hand, hand in hand. A lot of the Federation are looking from the outside, just thinking, oh, we could use that which yeah. is what they were doing with the Metroids, but Samus is the one that's been on the planet fighting them, you know? Yeah. Mm. So, Samus decides the only way to get this done is to activate the station's self-destruct mechanism and end it once and for all, potentially even ending her own life in the process. Uh, the computer locks Samus in a navigation room as the Federation ordered it to keep her at bay until they arrive. So, it doesn't like Samus's plan, but yeah. it's a computer. Samus yells, don't let them do this. You can't, can't you see what will happen, Adam? And the computer is moved by this choice of words and agrees to Samus's plan. He suggests that if Samus can alter the station's orbit, the planet SR388 might be included in the explosion, ending the ex-parasite once and for all. Samus soon realizes that her computer truly is Adam Malkovich, the former Federation commanding officer. I wish it was John Malkovich. <laughs> I just really like the last name Malkovich. Yeah. It's just really cool. Mm. <laughs> In the final stretch of the game, Samus encounters an Omega Metroid and an SAX who is defeated uh, who is defeated by the Metroid, leaving its core X exposed for Samus to absorb. Uh, Samus gains the Omega suit and the ice beam and destroys the Omega Metroid. Uh, and her starship re-enters the docking bay, now piloted by the computer Adam. And they leave and fly away. As they fly away, the station is shown crashing into SR-388, destroying both itself and the planet and seemingly ridding the universe of the X forever. My God. That's the Omega Metroid, by the way. It's a little picture of that. Everyone look that up looks on Google. Looks pretty cool. Have you looks, been looking up everything? Looks like a Digimon. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. And that's the end of Fusion. And that only leaves us with Metroid Dread. Um, so... Samus just ended up becoming power hungry and absorbing all of the power. No, not necessarily. So basically, she she was injected with the Metroid cell to save her to save her from the X parasite that was littered throughout her body in the in an explosion or whatever. And then she can absorb the X because she has Metroid DNA. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the game. The SAX um, is defeated and its core X parasite is exposed for Samus to absorb okay. and that gives her temporary Omega level power to destroy the Omega Metroid basically because it's such a powerful X. Mm-hmm. Um, and it bas- it pretty much heals her of most of her illness and all that as well. Okay. Yeah, so she's not like she's not like a superhero now or anything, but yeah. she uh, she gained temporarily temporary beast mode. Okay. Yeah. yeah cool. <laughs> bit, of, bit of Logan at the end of Logan. Yeah, in a way. I'd like to think that she ran through the space station just screaming like Logan. <laughs> 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 
Now, that's the best, the best scream in any movie ever. It absolutely is. Yeah. So that's all of Metroid up to Dread. I'm going to read the opening sprawl from Dread just to set the scene for that. And that's all I'm going to do for Dread. I want everyone to go out there and if you have an Nintendo Switch to play Dread, I want you to play Dread. It's an epic, awesome game. And in fact, Dread, you learn tons about Samus's uh, Chozo background and all this stuff. It's, okay. uh, it's a very Chozo heavy, which is good. That's good. Um, so, Metroid Dread released October 8th, 2021 for the Switch, 19 years after the last 2D Metroid game. What a huge gap. Uh, and Mercury Steam were given the chance to take on an original Metroid after their fine work with Samus Returns. Uh, I picked up the special edition of the game, which I've got right behind me. This massive box. It's huge. Um, yeah, it is huge. How I big picked- is the cartridge in that? <laughs> oh, it's a huge cartridge. It is <laughs> massive. The size of a celestial a compared, compared to a human, I reckon, would be that <laughs> ratio. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I picked up the special edition alongside the Nintendo Switch OLED and played it on the OLED and uh, did not regret that one bit. It was an awesome experience. Great great game, great console. So, here is the sprawl for Dread and then we'll, then we'll be done, whether that's good or not. <laughs> With no Metroid surviving on SR388, it became infested with the X, horrifying parasites incapable of imitating any living being. Unaware of this, I set foot on the planet, got infected, and almost died. The only thing that saved me was a vaccine created from Metro DNA, which also left me uniquely able to oppose the X. This ability was tested immediately when I went to the Biologic Space Laboratories research, space, research station to investigate a distress signal. There, I battled many powerful X-forms, including the SAX, which was an X mimicking me in my power suit at full strength. I eventually eliminated the X-menace on SR-388 by by setting the BSL research station on a collision course with the planet. After that, the X and Metroids were just memories, or, or so we thought. Just when it all seemed over, the Galactic Federation received a mysterious video transmission. It showed an X, alive and in the wild. Thorough analysis proved the video was real. Although the sender was unknown, the transmission was traced to a particular planet. It was called ZDR. If the X had somehow escaped extinction extinction out there, they would pose a threat to the entire galaxy. The Galactic Federation dispatched a research team of seven EMI to investigate. An EMI is a large research robot designed to capture field samples and extract their DNA. The incredible mobility and protective plating... Oh, sorry... Their incredible mobility and protective plating, made of the strongest stuff in the universe, practically guaranteed the mission's, mission's success. But not, but not long after their arrival on ZDR, all communication was lost. What is happening on ZDR? Is the planet really infested with X? As the only one immune to the parasites, it's up to me to go there and find out. Oh. And, this, and the uh, Emmy, Metro Dread, is right here on the cover. Of the box, massive robotic things mm. that are absolutely hectic. Yeah, they're the ones that uh, endlessly chase you until you defeat them. Yeah, aren't they? yeah. So they're sent there by the Galactic Federation to work alongside someone like Samus, but they're quickly turned. And when you get there, they're all hostile, and it's hect- it's just crazy. Oh wow! Yeah, cool. and is- then you've got Chozo warriors and a massive evil Chozo on the back of the box. Wow! Uh, so it's yeah. That's a great box. Yep. So why is it so big? Uh, it has this gigantic art book inside. Okay. 
Yeah, and a, and a bunch of other cool stuff. Yeah, cool. But yeah, it's a, a nice buy. I couldn't help myself. I was so excited for the game after playing the other Metroids and seeing all those trailers. I could not help myself. I was like, got to have the cool edition to, to display. Mm. Yeah. So that's it. That's well, Metroid. Well. Go play Dread. I will. Yeah. You can happily borrow it from me, of course. Well, thank you. Mm. So, in summary of all of these games mm-hmm. and your entire Metroid journey over the last eight months, yep. what is the best part of these games? Like, What draws you in? Is there a, a multiple strengths? Is it like a, a, is it a particular part of the story or is it purely gameplay? There's, there's multiple strengths. Of course, I, I find the story very interesting, especially Dread. Look, going into that, the story was very heavily featured in the trailers. So, I really wanted to know what was going to happen in that. But as far as Metroid as a whole, the gameplay, the way the Samus movement and just the way it feels to shoot the, the arm cannon and, and everything like that's really the selling point for me. It's just, it's really fun to play. Like, if you like 2D platformers already, like we both do, it's a no-brainer, like how good it feels for us to play this. Um, so, the gameplay, yes. I also love the... I just love the environments, the, the like really intricate map design, all the secrets. I haven't even, you know, I have not really talked much about gameplay or, or anything like that in this episode, but Metroid's littered with so many hidden secrets that, you know, you bomb a wall and it opens up and you find something. Like it's just, you spend so much time just looking in every nook and, cr- uh, nook and cranny, every little corner of the map, searching out the whole thing, revealing it. It's so, it's such a precise and thought well thought out. Uh, map designs for all the games that it's so interesting to explore so mm-hmm. it all just comes together and made this really atmospheric package it's just great and does dread adding a bit more story uh make it a more interesting series or do you think it wasn't really needed and it's still the gameplay that uh definitely makes the game oh no it definitely helps it definitely helps like the the ending of that game is it's a really good coming together of the story from that game and almost a great combination of a lot of of all of the all of the games. It's um, the story definitely helps that game, but the movement and the and the gameplay in Dread is like technically by far the best of the series. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, in that game, it's just a, the whole package is just phenomenal. But I I think if anything, Dread you'd pl- you'd play it for the story, and and maybe Fusion, and then the first three you you're more so playing it for the the tight gameplay. Mm-hmm. But the type gameplay is, of course, present in the Infusion and Dread as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. I've got a couple of final thoughts before we get into some burning questions. Is there, is there anything else you want to say, actually, before we do the final thoughts? Is there any, anything no, else no. you've got? Or are you completely conked out of Metroid? Conked. Yeah, not surprised. I'm conked in. Oh, good. Mm. <laughs> so, I always wanted to play Metroid. Uh, from from years and years back. I, I started the original a few times and got absolutely nowhere. Uh, then I borrowed Samus Returns from my brother and I didn't get too far. I've owned Metroid Prime for GameCube and Super Metroid for Super Nintendo for years now uh, and I've hardly played them. All I needed was a little push <laughs> uh, and Metroid Dread, the trailer for E3 2021, like I mentioned earlier, uh, really made something came over me. Uh, and there was absolutely no other alternative than playing Metroid and just fucking enjoying it. <laughs> and god damn it, did I enjoy myself. It is one of the most interesting series of games I've ever played. 
all feeling so similar yet absolutely different and unique. Uh, I really want everyone to go and buy Metro Dread and just support the series as it needs as much love as it can get so they keep making them pretty Mm -hmm. much. Uh, And if you aren't sure you'd enjoy it, then if you have a Switch, play Super Metroid. It's available on the Super Nintendo app. That game is a damn near masterpiece, basically. So, in summary, Metroid has gone from a series that I would tell people that I liked, even though I'd actually never really engaged or committed to any of the games, (laughs) to one of my absolute favorite series in all of gaming within six months. Mm-hmm. That's how my how almost powerful the games feel to me. So I hope that summarizes how I feel about it, and I hope that gives anyone confidence to go and just try Metroid and really give it a go. Even just get past the first couple of hours when you start unlocking a few abilities, you start getting the better movement. That's when it really opens up. So I love Metroid; it's great. Well, that takes me into the burning question. Well, my question for you is, given how much you love this series now and how long it was inactive for, well, the 2D core series was, heart and soul answer, or brain too, bring your brain into this. Do you think this series has a future? And can just consider where, how the sort of games, the up and coming generation plays because we're happy to play these games as a nostalgic factor and look at it and go yeah these games remind me of when we were kids this is so good but kids these days may not even have that factor so Mm. where do you think the series sits uh, with generations to come (laughs) so my immediate thought with that is that when you think of unique experiences like this because a 2d platformer in this sort of vein is quite unique these days of course we've played yeah we both love ori both ori games i've played hollow knight and it's a great game things like that but they are certainly not the norm of games that release and i feel personally not that it's not the norm for everything but i feel like as generally a lot of the unique games that are different genres that don't necessarily uh, that aren't getting made just to sell big numbers are getting made by Nintendo. Mm. And as long as Nintendo is financially viable and continues with interesting consoles and things, I think Metroid has a home and they'll keep making it, especially now that Dread is selling extremely well. Because Metroid... Never, yeah, as I said, I, I don't have the numbers, but it's never sold well. It took them 19 years to commit to making another 2D game, for God's sake. And they haven't made a Metroid Prime game since 2009 or 10 or something like that. So, I think it has a future. But I, but I fear the day that a company like Nintendo can't make enough money anymore themselves and they have to maybe just make games for other consoles or something. And Metroid's not a game that they're going to commit to to make money yeah. if they have to do that, you know. Mm. And it also, I also fear that, yeah, like you said, we're slightly old timers now, I suppose, with games where we we are more than happy to experiment playing all these kinds of games. But the general consensus with the gaming world right now is that playing the big 3D action games or playing the online shooters and things like that's just what people do. Mm. So. 
It's and a, complain about. And too. complain about, yeah. So it bums me out big time thinking that, but I I think it has a future as long as Nintendo has a future. And I what what is scary with that as well is that Metroid will have the backing from Nintendo to be made, but a game like Ori that's fantastic and everyone should play, but no one does, should always be able to have a future. Mm. But Microsoft's, like Ori is not going to be their priority forever if it's not a moneymaker. No. But because that's not their prime focus. So I feel more for a game like that than Metroid. Well, and that's where Ori would have been better suited at Sony or Nintendo because they have such a huge... Japanese following, it's where they are. Mm. That's where they're from. And they originally came about to make games for uh, uh, for the Japanese fan base because that's that's gaming is huge there and they buy everything mm. in like in huge um, uh, quantities. Well, funnily enough, Metroid is actually a series that's always done better in the Western markets. Okay. Mm. Not really Japan. Oh. In fact, when I was reading about it yesterday, I, I don't remember exactly what games, but there were some Metroid games that only sold like 30,000 copies in Japan in its first week of launch, okay. stuff like that. Hmm. So, it's always a it's a series that's always done better in the West, but even then, it never did that great. Hmm. Dread, I, I'm, I'm excited to see the numbers of sold for Dread when they end up releasing it because it's going to be huge for the series. So, uh, yeah, I hope. My, que- my burning question's kind of similar to yours, but I'll put it out there. It's long. What do you think it says about the video game medium that such a unique world and interesting plot line can be developed in a largely unplayed 2D series that originated in 1986 when most new blockbuster 3D games can't hold a story to the finish to save themselves? Is the constant push for serious, complicated 3D action games moving video games away from their most creative spaces? Yeah, well, I think for for a start, the the fact that this is a game, the story that's developed based on as they go along and as the story needs to be developed, it's not, oh, let's make an entire character's backstory just in this first game mm. and get everyone has to be across them from every single trailer now before they play the game they have to know exactly where they're from what they're about why mm. they're going to play the game this game series in particular evidently from what you've how you've described it is all about a gradual progression of the character and it's not even the main point so it's like all about gameplay and oh we should definitely develop the character as we go but it's not the priority mm. whereas so many of these games now are trying to outdo each other yeah uh, with relatable characters and things, which is great for a start. It makes the good ones really stand out. Mm. But it sort of waters down a lot of this natural progression as opposed to, oh, crap, we better do it because everyone else is doing it. Yeah. So it's like a it's, – it's a, it's a hard one to sort of say whether that's for, for better or worse though because we don't want everyone to become slack and not create too many stories. Uh, from the start because they should be well thought out from the start. Mm. Um, you know, like we think of some movie series that start off with one story and then all of a sudden third movie they're like, oh, yeah, and it turns out uh, he had a sword this whole time because he's related to the original sword master. Mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Yeah. Uh, so I don't like tacked on stories like that. But if it's a natural build, like say if it, uh, just to quickly touch on, say, the uh, Song of Ice and Fire slash Game of Thrones mm-hmm. lore. Like George R. R. Martin, he writes the, the series. He knows the general gist of it, obviously, as he writes them. That's why it takes so long because he's working it all out and it's so meticulously act, like specific. Yeah. 
Um, but then he's got the World of Ice and Fire book, which is like an encyclopedia. And that was just him when he got asked to do it. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to fill out all this backstory because even though I've referenced some of the books, I can add so much more. It's literally his world to do it to. Mm. And I read that and I go, oh, my God, he had all this like this wor- artificial world, this fake world is like so full of backstory. And it's not even real, for God's sake, obviously. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think mm. in those instances, it's really good. But yes, uh uh, there's just a fine balance between trying to get all the answers from the start and then just actually letting the games, the series, develop naturally. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And not responding to what fans want. Writers have to do the story how they want it. Yeah. And if the fans don't like it, then it's just bad luck that you wrote something that's not strong enough. The guy that sort of helmed the Metroid series story for all this time there was they put out a bunch of videos leading up to Dread's release where he talked about the development. And one of the things he said was that one of the main reasons they hadn't made this game for so long is because they had these ideas for the way the story would go and the way some of the gameplay would work and they could never utilize any of the technology well enough until the Switch to be able to do it. Okay. So they literally waited for so long to implement these things to help all of the, all of the game and story and everything. So it's certainly... Uh, they're not just make. They're not just pumping them out for hmm. for money's sake or whatever. They're really, uh, I suppose, passionate about it being perfect and the way that the story flows. Yeah, which is great. Crucial. Yeah. Anyway, well, that was a lot of Metroid. I hope everyone enjoyed it. I hope everyone feels compelled to play Dread or just try it out or even just watch a um, watch watch a playthrough or something on YouTube if you want anything like that. Hmm. Just go do it. Go have a look. Yeah. I will. Yeah, great. I'll watch it. I'll play it. Uh, I'll, I'll put it on in the background while I'm doing something interesting. <laughs> no, Jake, I'll definitely be playing it. Yeah, playing you just it. put on the menu in the background while you play some phone games. Yeah, yeah. As good as mobile games. Mobile games. Yeah. Doodle jump. At Angry Birds. Angry Birds, yeah. yeah. Before we go, what do you, do you think of the rum? The Buckeye Classic Golden Rum. Mm. Uh, it was okay. Uh, well, I just want to say that we both finished the all the rum that we gave ourselves and not every single time we have rum do we both actually finish the whole thing before we the end of the episode. And yeah, we're true. both done. And I think that has to say something about it. Yeah, and it was it wasn't harsh. Like it's a it's a cheaper one, but it's not it wasn't harsh, harsh. No. Like you said it was quite light. So yeah. uh Yeah, it was it was easy to go down. I think our sips were probably larger than some of the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd probably go a a uh, a mix it. Yeah, a mix it for sure. Mix it. Mix it for sure. Or on ice, like they said on the back. Could be right. Yeah. And we've got about half of it left, so maybe we can try that. Yeah. Maybe we'll try that in the next episode. Which is Assassin's Creed number one. Yes. And that's basically where I'm going to be ranting. It's not. It wasn't designated as a Luke episode. No, I've actually played this game as well. So did I'll you be... finish it? No. Yeah. Well, but I played. Oh, like a fair lot of it back in the day. Yeah. I borrowed it from you. You did, yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be something where I'll have to control my excitement because unlike many people out there who love to complain about the damn series, I love it and I'm forthright in saying so. In fact, I want to say, and we'll, we'll talk about this next time more so, but I don't know if I've ever really heard you complain about Assassin's Creed in my life. I just can't. And you've played all of them, so... That's uh, it's that's quite great for you. Good job. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. The one complaint everyone has is, oh, 
They're called Assassin's Creed, but they're not really assassins anymore. So, did you like the game? <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Well, what, so, do you, what else do you need? It's so surprising because you're a serial complainer in everything else in your life. <laughs> so, I just don't know how, how that worked out. But anyway, Ubisoft would love you for it. So, thanks everyone for listening in this week. Go play Metroid and see you next week for Assassin's Creed. Thank you, Will. Thank you so much for hosting this. Uh, I needed that two-hour snooze. Um, oh, my God, I'm so happy. <laughs> no, no, thanks for that. It was awesome. And um, I'm glad to now know Samus is not a Metroid. Yes, even though I referred to her as, as Metroid once in this episode. <laughs> Terrible. All right. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Farewell. <laughs>